So this gospel reading we just heard is the one for the feast of Saints Timothy and Titus. If you, were, if you had a missile, if you're following on your missile, you might have had a different gospel reading there about the mustard seed. They both talk about the kingdom of God and they're complementary. And of course, Timothy and Titus, disciples of Paul and Paul himself, with his conversion was celebrated yesterday. These, these exemplify these realities, right? Jesus sending them out and them doing these things and the kingdom of God being at hand for them and also the kingdom of God growing as a mustard seed. Now, there are at least two ways of understanding that. How, what is the kingdom of God and what does it mean that it grows like a mustard seed? The first one is, is to, to think of it as the church, which is true, right? The kingdom of God is the church. The church is the kingdom of God. And the, the apostles and every subsequent disciple since then in carrying out these commands have spread the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God has grown to extend to every, every corner of the world and praise God for that. But I think if we use that image, if we apply that image to the church by itself, it can lead us into some troubled waters. We can become too attached to the church and too attached to the mission of the church to the point that we become discouraged and bitter and resentful if the church, the church is not doing things that are correct or the things that we want the church to do and so forth. And so we want to complement that understanding with the greater understanding, which is Christ is the kingdom of God. So yes, the church is the kingdom of God and Christ is the kingdom of God. And Christ being the kingdom of God, in a sense, if Christ can't grow, Christ himself, right? Christ is God, so God can't grow. God is impassable and unchanging and, so, and all the rest, okay. But Christ can grow in us. The kingdom, of God, the, God, the kingdom of God can grow in us. And so I think not only does this serve as a, as a correction to the potential error of focusing on the kingdom of God as the church, but more importantly, it focuses our attention on the kingdom of God growing in us, which is, which is the final point, right? Even if, the, even if the church is the kingdom of God, the point of that, the end of that, the purpose, the finality of that, is so that the kingdom of God grow in each individual throughout the world. So we want to we wanna keep the end in mind. And in that, I'll keep reading from St. John Chrysostom. I read from him yesterday what he had to say about Paul's conversion, and he will continue that here. Though housed in a narrow prison, Paul dwelt in heaven. That's already alarming. Housed in a narrow prison, Paul dwelt in heaven. Why? because the kingdom of God had grown in him. He accepted beatings and wounds more readily than others reach out for rewards. Sufferings he loved as much as prizes. Indeed, he regarded them as his prizes and therefore called them a grace or gift. Reflect on what this means. To depart and be with Christ was certainly a reward, while remaining in the flesh meant struggle. Yes, such was his longing for Christ that he wanted to defer his reward and remain amid the fight. Those were his priorities. Now, to be separated from the company of Christ meant struggle and pain for Paul. In fact, it was a greater affliction than any struggle or pain would be. On the other hand, to be with Christ was a matchless reward. Yet, for the sake of Christ, Paul chose the separation. 
But you may say, I love when the fathers and the doctors of the church do this. They raise our objections and then answer them. But you may say, because of Christ, Paul found all this pleasant. Oh, it wasn't really a big deal for him to go through all, through all these things. I cannot deny that, for he derived intense pleasure from what saddens us. See, the same types of sufferings sadden us, but for Paul, it was a source of pleasure. I did not think only of perils and hardships. It was true even of the intense sorrow that made him cry out, Who is weak that I do not share the weakness? Who is scandalized that I am not consumed with indignation? So that should raise us the question, why, why are these things sources of pleasure for Paul and of suffering for us? And here, in, in Paul's questions, Paul's rhetorical questions, we're getting a glimpse of it. He's actually seeking to be weak as Christ was weak and to be scandalized and to suffer, as I read from St. Ignatius of Loyola yesterday, to be, Christ with Christ, to be poor with Christ poor, to be insulted with Christ insulted. I urge you not simply to admire, and here St. John Chrysostom continues, I urge you not simply to admire, we do this a lot, we admire all the saints, but also to imitate this splendid example of virtue. For if we do, we can share his crown as well. Are you surprised, am I saying, that if you have Paul's merits, you will share that same reward? Then listen to Paul himself. I have fought the good fight, I have run the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, a crown of justice awaits me, and the Lord, who is a just judge, will give it to me on that day, and not to me alone, but to those who desire his coming. You see how he calls all to share the same glory? Now, since the same crown of glory is offered to all, let us eagerly strive to become worthy of these promised blessings. In thinking of Paul, we should not consider only his noble and lofty virtues of, or the strong and ready will that disposed him of such great graces. We should also realize that he shares our nature in every respect. So this is something that we hear a lot, and maybe we hear from our, within ourselves as well. Well, the saints, you know, they're up there in the sky, and they received special graces, and I can't really do what they did or see things the way that they saw. We should also realize that he shares our nature in every respect. We all share the same human nature, the same fallen human nature. So if Paul was able to avail himself to receive these graces, so can we. If we do, then even what is very difficult will seem to us easy and light. We shall work hard during the short time we have on earth, and someday we shall wear the incorruptible, immortal crown. This we shall do by the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom all glory and power belongs now and always through endless ages. So let's keep this in mind as we go forward to not only admire St. Paul, St. Timothy, St. Titus, but also to imitate them, to imitate them in their growth in virtue, in their single focus of Christ. And this not only is the end, but this can also help us to not be discouraged by the waves and the storms of this world, including the storms that affect the bark of Peter, that hit the bark of Peter and make it a little turbulent from time to time. Now, since that same crown of glory is offered to all, let us eagerly strive to become worthy of these promised blessings. 
Saints Timothy, Paul, and Titus.